when I first started on the team, my race, and, like, I can say this for my friend, like, you guys know Irma, Irma Rose, too. Like, our mm-hmm. race was never an issue until we started getting faster and, like, uh-huh. at the top of the team. And, like, I became team captain before I left. And that was when, like, things really hit the hit the climax. Like, I would get in trouble for the smallest things. Like, things that don't... One time I got reported to the board of directors because, like, someone wasn't on my private story on Snapchat. Like, I would get Dear in Lord. trouble for the smallest things. My my mom, my friend's moms, they would always tell me, oh, it's, it's just because they don't like seeing you succeed. But it, it really did bother me because why did, like, I get treated differently, you know? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to today's episode. So we want to preface this by saying we have some guests. Thank you so much for Armani and Bianca being here today. Say hi. Hi. Um, Today's discussion is going to be one that is pretty, um, I think, prevalent in today's society, especially since we go to a school where there's many races and many ethnicities. And today we're going to be talking about internal racism and how that has affected each of us and our individual stories growing up. Right. So internalized racism, right, it's a pretty big issue. A lot of people experience it, especially if you are, you know, not Caucasian. You're probably to some degree experiencing internalized racism. But before we get into that, I just wanted to ask Armani and Bianca to introduce themselves and their ethnic backgrounds or whatever it may be. So just go for it. Armani, do you? Okay. Well, yeah, I'm Armani. Um, My grandmother is Vietnamese Chinese and Mongolian, obviously, because the Mongols conquer China and stuff. And my dad is Puerto Rican, Dominican, and Trinidad. So I'm all of that. <laughs> yeah, quite, quite the mix over there. And what, what about you, Bianca? Um, so my mom and my dad are both um, from Haiti. They were born there, raised there, and they re- moved to the United States, I'd say, like, 20 years ago, I think. Uh, so I am, like, a first-generation everything. <laughs> and I speak Creole. I identify as Haitian American. Okay, well, beautiful. I love that for both of you guys. I was okay. So I was just going to ask you guys about your experiences with internalized racism in general and your takes on it. So just to preface, internalized racism is defined as the acceptance by marginalized racial populations of the negative societal beliefs and stereotypes about themselves. So it's when like you start to believe all the stereotypes that you hear from people around you regarding your race, regarding your ethnicity, so on and so forth. So, and when those negative stereotypes are absorbed into the self-concept of a stigmatized individual, that process is referred to as self-stereotyping, which is pretty much what internalized racism is. So basically what I want to ask is at what point in your lives have you all experienced internalized racism? Well, um, well, just to start, I want to um we all know like racism is taught and I feel like all the internalized racism that I've personally found myself like falling <sighs> sorry, to, sorry this is gonna get pretty heavy pretty fast but <laughs> um, <laughs> it was taught to me like by my parents and that my parents have worked very hard for me and I appreciate everything they have done and I love them but like I remember when I was young very young my parents would tell me things like oh if you have your hair a certain way then people are going to think you're like this. Or if you talk a certain way, people are going to think you're like this. And I was taught very young to act a certain way 
to get through society as easy as possible. And I just think, like, of course, internalized racism isn't a good thing, but to a certain extent, it's something that I've been, I can't get rid of. Like, it's a part of me that helps me get through life, like, survive easier. And honestly, I agree with that to some extent, um, especially when we're talking about, like, so whenever my parents and I would go to India, they'd be like, don't talk because Indians will, like, think you're American. And when they realize you're American accent, they're going to want to, like, be stingy or do something to you that we wouldn't want you doing, you know, thinking we had money. So I obviously grew up in America. Um, I have a very white passing voice. So, but that was something that was kind of taught to me by my parents. And every time I get on the phone for my parents because someone's being rude to them because they have an Indian accent, immediately they're kinder to me. And I realize this is because I'm not, I do not sound like a typical Indian. Yeah, and I think it's a big issue with like, just the going off like the way you speak and the way I speak. Like, I feel like a lot of the times, like in middle school, I had trouble making friends with like the black people in my grade because they felt like the way I spoke was it was different and I was trying to act white and like I I know I don't I can't control the way I speak but like agree I mean like that's kind of how it is for me like being like being that my family is like multiple different races and I'm multiple different like ethnicities and races it's really hard to like find like a solid ground in friendships I guess because there's like the black people and like I don't have an issue with like making friends with like any specific race but at times you can like see like the internal racism in a whole like like a whole race I guess like you could see like the internal racism in like majority black groups because it's just built up from years of oppression they have this like one set mind that oh we have to be this way because we're expressing our blackness or like with the Vietnamese community like my grandmother is majority Vietnamese and she speaks, that's her primary language. And like, every time I tell like my Asian friends that they're like, oh, I didn't know that. They're like, I don't think you're like being truthful or the whole thing with like being ethnic or a POC and not being able to speak like your given language or mother tongue is like a big issue. And they'll basically use that against you, which is another thing that I think feeds into mm. a lot of, racism especially for you so like especially with like the indian community i have a very thick american accent growing up i did learn both of my mother um but the way i spoke it was never quite like how some other people spoke it and for that reason they would call me gora or these other like which i never thought were slurs but when i told them to my mom she was like why are they saying that to you those are slurs like i was called these things because I never fit in with either group and it made it so hard for me growing up like what's my identity do I wear simply southern like the white people or I don't even know like Indians don't wear any like specific clothing but I just didn't know where to fit in because no either group made me feel so weird yeah I get that too like I can speak Creole but I don't speak it as fast or with a certain accent so I was always embarrassed like when I would speak to Haitian people that were more seasoned and it made me feel like and there's a big Haitian community in Jacksonville especially and I've never been a part of it because I was always so scared that I would get like pushed aside and stuff and I guess it it was an internal thing for me like just what I learned at school like oh people don't like if you're not extra black or if you're not extra white so just keep to yourself and it's 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I don't think I've ever necessarily experienced internalized racism, which is why it's so interesting for me to hear you, your guys' takes on it. Because, like, I'm Middle Eastern. I've never been like, wow, I really believe that I'm a terrorist. You know, like, there's not no. ever been a societal belief that I've been like, oh, yes, this very much so applies. But I think a lot of, like, the internalized racism that I've seen and that um, I, I hear you guys talking about is that, like, the expectation that or like the learning of many minorities that in order to be successful in this country you need to act as white as possible and that's like kind of perpetuated in even the Iranian community that I'm a part of it's like the more white that you can act the the farther you'll be able to get in life I think that's very destructive personally that's that's a conversation that me and Bianca like have a lot like I feel like people equate being white to being like intelligent or having a certain level of intelligence or being successful, which is like a big issue for me when I hear like people from the black community say, oh, well, you talk like real white or you're white white. It just, I don't, the mindset of equating intelligence and talking like proper, I guess, to being white, it's because like beat that into like, our ancestors and our like grandparents had that like they can't do that because they're not a specific skin tone i agree so like this visible in the indian community if you literally wore indian clothes and i know that like you know you might now you might think it's weird but when i grew up like my parents weren't even from here so like i don't know sometimes i did wear like a long Indian, what you call kurta, which is basically just a long shirt and leggings. I'm like, when I was in elementary school, I didn't know you, like, people, like, I don't know. It just never really stuck out to me. I was wearing something different. But all the Indians were like, oh, my God, like, what is she? Is she really wearing that? Or, like, I'd bring Indian food to school, and they'd be like, why is she doing that? When all the other Indian kids would have their PB&Js. Like, it was, like, from a little young age, it was always like, why are you, like, why do you have, like, a tikka on your head? Which is, like, you know, the red dot. That's like mm-hmm. when everyone thinks yeah. of Indians, that's what they think of. And they'd be like, why do you have that on your head? Or like, why do you smell like curry? Or like, call me a curry muncher. Or like, call me stuff like that. Like, I've been called coconut so many times, I cannot even count it. Because people think it's funny to be like, brown on the outside, white on the inside. <laughs> like, I don't even, I don't even get it. But like this internalized racism from Indians themselves, who think they're better than me because they're farther away from their culture and think it's cool to not attend the temple or you know being synced with your culture I just I never understood it and to this day I won't probably I think it's so interesting how people like in of your own culture can do that to you like my my nickname with most of my cousins and sometimes even my parents they would call me blunt which means white like they would just call me that for for giggles and, like, at first, it didn't bother me. But then the more I realized, like, they were just pushing me away from their culture, like, saying, oh, you don't know how to, to cook this food or you don't know how to speak in this way and you're less Haitian than we are, which I am because I wasn't born there. But it's, like, I didn't even get the chance to connect to the culture. And then, yeah. of course, as I'm older and I'm like, okay, well, I've I've adapted to this way of thinking because of you or because of this, then they're like, oh, well, now you just want to be white. that's like a couple of my viet friends like calling me me dan which is basically black and viet and like in certain contexts like majority of the time when it's used in vietnam it's like 
a slur. And like when Vietnamese people will have darker babies, they'll like give them the nickname Miran, which like it's not the best thing. So I feel like it's just honestly internalized racism for me is literally just like another form of exclusion. Yeah. I agree. And like when you think about it, it doesn't it just genuinely makes no sense. Like why would people from your own community, especially people of immigrants, why would they want to exclude other people? Like I know that Eileen and I have talked about this, but like our parents, like they love America for the opportunities it's given us. But I feel like some people take it so far as to think that Americans themselves are the reason why we have these opportunities, you know, not like the hard work we've put in us people that have just immigrated for a better life. Like, I don't, I genuinely don't think we've done anything wrong, but for some people, like other Indians like to believe that like, you know, I'm better than you. I probably make 20,000 more than you. And because of that, I'm going to start making it. I definitely do think it comes from a place of self-blame where we think that the minority communities and the races that obviously are not white are the reasons for like the issues or are the problem, are the anomaly, and that the gold standard is like the white figure that we should all like aspire to be like. So you guys have talked about aiming to look more or sound more white. My question is, how has this experience um, shaped you in terms of hair? Because I know that... um, people with very curly hair especially have always like been called unprofessional for wearing it a certain way that is reminiscent of their culture or just of the way that their hair is textured like what the hell else are they supposed to do about it what have your experiences with that with that um i'll let you go first (laughs) okay here's my issue with the whole hair situation like i get that at one point or even still technically today there's like a certain look that you would aspire for in like a professional setting but a lot of the times it's very it's just flat out like discrimination yep. against certain like cultural group because like if you think about it there are african groups and african communities where their skin tone is dark but their eyes are blue and their hair is blonde and that's just their natural coloring and so like if me or bianca like walked into a job like a corporate job or anything and we had like blonde hair they'd be like oh they'd already have like this initial thought in the back of their head or curly hair like we all know like well the four of us know that my hair used to be like pretty long and that was like one of my like biggest things like to notice about me was my hair Mm -hmm. because my hair is naturally curly all the time I would hear oh, your hair's not professional. When are you going to cut it? Your hair, it mm, it looks like a mushroom. It, like, all this other stuff. It was never about, like, oh, I like your hair, or, oh, that's cool that you're doing what you want with your hair. It's always, it breaks down to, oh, you need to change that because this is the societal norm. It's a societal norm for a certain majority it's just a form of exclusion for minorities to me personally. Yeah, I agree with Armani on that. I've I've had a really tough experience with my hair. Like personally, I used to like experiment with my hair a lot in middle school. Like I tried wearing it natural once. I like had braids. I did a lot of things, but I would go to school and the looks people would give me and like talk about my hair and like tell me that they didn't like it or like put their two cents in. Like, at first, it didn't really bother me. And then um, one day, my mom spoke to me, and she told me that when people, when Black people have, like, 
braided hair or dreads, they get in trouble more. So I needed to consider doing something different with my hair. And for the last four years of high school, I decided I would never get braids. Like I was like, yeah, not going to happen. And I had friends that would talk to me and they'd be like, oh, well, we think it would look good on you. Like it would look great. So I decided to give it a try. And <laughs> I was so terrified to come to school with it, you know, like, I don't know if you guys saw me, but I was. You look amazing, dear. <laughs> but I, I was scared. Because... As soon as she stepped out of the car, the first day she came back with her braids, she walks up to Tomas and she goes, oh, Tomas, did you see my hair? Did you notice my hair? Because it was like, Aww. I want to way before he said something. Yeah, because I had to, I had to like tell myself like, okay, nobody's going to just walk up to you and be like, oh my God, your hair makes you look dirty or like your hair makes you look like this. And I felt so bad because like, I like this style on my friends. Like it looks good. I think braids are beautiful. But like when I thought about it on me, I got this feeling like, oh my gosh, people are going to just- Genuinely- The whole issue with braids and breads for me, it's like, it stems back to slavery, honestly, because braids were a protective style for black hair and it was a way for them to communicate with each other especially when they were planning to like run away mm-hmm. like when get patterns of like the routes that they would take like braided into their scalp or like being in like harsh conditions like that their hair was thicker so they would have to braid it down and that was like one of the only forms of expression that they had right so when you're at like school or a job or even like schools that were uniforms it's always a big issue oh your hair needs to be a natural color you can't have yep. this hair this because it's not professional like in middle school seventh and eighth grade i went to duval charter and that was a big thing like i dyed my hair a couple times and they were like oh your hair can't be red because that's not a natural hair color for you and i was like but what it was never it never made sense like why Every time somebody's like, oh, you can't do this style or you can't do this color or this or this or this. Or I see like stuff in the media about, oh, this black woman was discriminated against because she had dreads or she wore braids to her professional yeah. corporate job. Like, why, why is somebody else's happiness and somebody else's appearance such a big difference for a company in whole? I, yeah. That's honestly so heartbreaking to hear because like, Hair is such a unique cultural value to each and every person. It's literally different in every country. And the fact that you guys from such a young age have had to experience this, like, this discrimination on such a simple thing as hair. Like, it's literally hair. Like, I don't, it's so heartbreaking to hear about because no other, like, I've never gone through that with hair. I don't think Eileen has. I've never had to worry about my hair like that. And it's such a minuscule thing to think about. But, like, the fact that you guys were picked upon for your hair is really disgusting. Certainly. And I think that the biggest way that we can see this is when like n- Britney's never going to get fired for getting awful highlights. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. if if you wear your hair in a way that is true to you, that looks good, frankly, and like that, that can be like, oh, it's not professional. Oh, uh, it's distracting. I know like they kick out like preschoolers for having, quote unquote, distracting hair, which is ridiculous. Like, Bianca, I have a question. So you row. And I play lacrosse. And these are two very white prevalent sports. How how have your experiences with that gone? Well, (laughs) (laughs) actually, I'm a former rower. And I can say it's probably because of uh, those experiences that, like, grew over time. Um, I experienced a lot, a lot of 
of bad things at that place. Like, and not going to say I didn't have positives, but, but just to say, like, that was a part of the reason why I couldn't get braids because the kids at rowing and the coaches at rowing and the, the community, it was all white people. I, I knew, I knew three black people during my time there and there was no, no other people of color. And it was really off-putting most of the time, but like, I, I didn't let it bother me until like kids would start saying things and saying like, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> it's a, it's a, not being surrounded by people that, that looked like me for so long and something that I did and spent so much time on, it really hit my self-esteem and the way I chose to present myself, like not just at rowing, like at school. I was always careful and quiet and it took an impact on my mind. I feel, I feel the same way. So like on my lacrosse team at school and even club, I'm probably one of the only colored people on that team. And usually it never bothered me. And so I started realizing like small, tiny things that I'd be like, Oh, it's, it's because I'm new or it's just because I missed that catch. But like, it always felt so weird to me to be the only person left like that's not white that's not blonde you know because that's most of the people on my team nothing against them but I always felt a little left out because of it like thinking about the fact that like all these people are they look the same and even in games so especially in games like playing a game get getting called you see one brown leg and you see eight white legs of course I'm gonna get red carded and it's happened before it just felt so and I still play the sport, but it just feels so weird being the only colored person. I knew you would probably have a similar experience, which is, you know, like, so demeaning in a sense to share about because it's like, wh- why yeah. are you being discriminated on color? It's 2021. You know what I do want to say, though? Hmm. When I first started on the team, my race, and like, I can say this for my friend, like, you guys know Irma, Irma Rose, too. Like, our mm-hmm. race was never an issue until we started getting faster and like Uh the top of the team and like I became team captain before I left and that was when like things really hit the hit the climax like I would get in trouble for the smallest things like things that don't one time I got reported to the board of directors because like someone wasn't on my private story on snapchat like I would get in trouble for the smallest things and like it was just it was just these tiny aggressions that weren't there before like people that would call me their friends and say they liked me but as soon as I passed them like they suddenly had this issue with me like that came out of nowhere that they wouldn't have with the other girls that were faster than them and like my my mom my friends moms they would always tell me oh it's it's just because they don't like seeing you succeed but it, it really did bother me because why did like I get treated differently you know like I know why but like <laughs> well another thing that i just wanted to add especially in terms of internalized racism is um just just to point out is how uh black and indigenous people of color tend to not do as well in school not because of their intelligence level but because of the fact they have accepted that they are supposed to be not as intelligent as their peers and it if you think about that like on a large scale that internalized racism has massive impacts on the futures of um black and indigenous students and where they're able to go in life and how far society can progress because of that internalized racism and how 
they feel that they are unable to achieve at that level even if their intelligence is way higher than they like almost allow themselves to be because they have accepted these negative societal beliefs about themselves so i think that's like i think that's heavily because of like the system like it's it's built off of systematic racism a lot of internalized racism is built off of like the government the way that if you look at areas that aren't as polished like areas in poverty or the way that people would qualify like Rebal or terry parker as like schools of like lower intellect because they're in like predominantly black areas they're gonna be like oh well these kids are dumb they're stupid blah 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 like if you took the whole ib program ap and the whole like lottery system out of stanton they would have the same opinions about Stanton just because of the location that we're in and because of like how the system like how the education system is built against indigenous black and like people of color like they don't cater towards the education and the betterment of knowledge for young like POC minds because they don't care and they don't have a reason to care because it's not of like the mass importance for them like how fast they shot to get a vaccine for COVID, that's because predominantly it was taking out too many people on like a like a wide scale and they saw like the rates and I don't want to bring it to a race thing, but they saw rates and like white people dropping and things like that are why POCs feel like they're not good enough in school, which I've definitely felt that way especially being at Stanton with how high like highly regarded the school is and how like we all have to keep up this like reputation of oh we're so smart yeah we are like all of us are super smart that's the issue you have people that are smarter than the rest and they just rub it in your face like the biggest issue I have with our school besides like the whole race issues and all that it's the way that it's constant competition between this person and this person, like not even just in school, like striving for college. It's always a competition because we're going against each other to get these spots. Yeah. It's definitely an issue at our school. Like with kids, I don't even want to like talk about how many times I feel like I have to play dumb in class because I just can't handle people constantly trying to compare themselves to me. So I'm just yeah, like, yeah. oh, like especially in like the the math and science classes I have, I it's I just uh, default oh. to automatic like I don't know what's happening. I remember the first time you taught us in philosophy class in junior year, you took IB Chem. So many people were so surprised, and I was like, why? Yeah, why? In, in chem class, if I raise my hand, Eileen has chem with me now. She knows, like I. Yeah, I sit behind her. I hand or say anything without people being like, oh my god, you're wrong. And, like, most of the time, like, I am wrong, but everybody's usually <laughs> wrong in chemistry. But, like, if, yes. if I say an answer, it's at least three people look at me and be like, Bianca, this isn't your, you're not allowed to talk here. And I'm like, okay, whatever, you know? Yeah. And I'm <laughs> but I get the same grades as everyone else. That's I admire about Irene, honestly. Mm-hmm. What? That's one thing, like, I admire about you. Like, you, like, we all know, like, we all know you're smart. We all know you're top of our class, but it's not because you go around flaunting it. Like, it's one thing to be smart, but it's another thing to be 
ignorantly smart to the point where you have to brag about it or bring up your educational like upbringing and how better off you are 24 7 like majority of our classmates do yeah and it's something we're taught and i wanted to say something earlier about how like i went to middle school with so many like like my middle school darnell had so many black people like i was surrounded by black people all the time and when i came to stanton i was i was surprised at how many like how diverse it was in that aspect but it made me wonder why like more of them didn't go to stanton and i talked to a lot of them before i left and they were all like oh the school's too smart i have to go to this school like it's just too smart it's not it's not for me all that those types of excuses and like i think only a couple people of like a couple black people from Darnell came to stand and like we weren't in that group and I've always thought about it and like I don't know why do you guys think that is I can literally count the number of black people that came from Darnell on one <laughs> hand and that's that's insane but I think the the like something that perfectly encapsulates what you guys are talking about right now is how anytime a black person or an indigenous person or just a person of color well, not so much Asian Americans, but more like black people. Anytime they get into college, they're like, oh, up, oh, it's because they're black. Anytime they get into a prestigious university, oh, it's probably because they pulled the black card, didn't they? That- yeah. It's, it's yeah. a big issue. And I'm, I'm waiting for when we have college acceptance time and it's going to be real messy. <laughs> yeah. And people trying to undervalue other people's accomplishments because of their race and because like, I'm not looking forward to that part. And you guys know, like, I've had many, like, experiences with my race being a factor with people at school. With people. (laughs) And I try not to let it it bother me, but it gets real old when, like, people think you're dumb or they bring up your race in conversations or, like, they use slurs. And we're supposed to be a school of really smart kids, but well thank you so much armani and bianca for coming and talking to us and i frankly learned a lot obviously because i don't experience much internalized racism i'm very privileged in that sense so thank you so much for coming and talking i loved hearing your perspective i loved hearing your perspective too trisha and yeah so follow us on instagram at first gen failures we post episodes every other friday now at six o'clock a.m eastern standard time And if you did enjoy this podcast, please review it on Apple Podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it and have a great day. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.